小想啊，咱最近讲嘅信息，记录开嘅人生。Let's、uh, continue talking about、uh, our、uh, recent series on Pilgrim's Life。今天咧，看下题目是《彼得前书》第四章一九第十二节。Topic、uh, we'll be looking at today can be found in First Peter chapter four verses one to eleven。我嘅题目是苦尽。My topic is entitled "Sweet After Sweat." You know, the Chinese culture is very often closely tied with、uh, difficulties. And this type of a culture is very close with、uh, what the Bible teaches. Just like the topic we have for today. That、uh, after the sweat, after the difficulty, then comes the sweetness. The Chinese have a different saying. It is called "and it is that good medicine tastes bitter." The Chinese medicine are all very bitter. Yet, very often Chinese medicine are very effective. So, I'm not saying that Western medicine aren't effective. And there's also this very famous saying of the Chinese. And let me、uh, try to explain this first. And then I will read to you in English. Okay, when the heaven is about to place a great responsibility on one man, it always first frustrates his spirit and will, exhausts his muscles and bones, exposes him to starvation and poverty, harasses him by troubles and setbacks, so as to stimulate his spirit, toughen his nature. And enhance his abilities. This is Chinese culture that has spanned for thousands of years. Difficulties is beneficial, is helpful for our lives. Church. This is a world、uh, filled with difficulties and sufferings. Especially for us who are called pilgrims, we are always often we suffer more than others. Why? Because this is what the Bible says. In, 就是未先做人，在这路灯的诶，这个道路的顶面，跨到你所行的，及你所见。They, referring to non-believers, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Because the path that we take is different. Our concepts are different. Our values are different. So it's quite unusual. That is why they see us a strange future. I remember when I was still in high school. My studies、uh, and my conduct were really very well. But I love playing basketball. So I had a group of friends who loved to play basketball with me. But those friends,、uh, they.、Uh, They love to say bad words. And if you go to Hong Kong, you'll understand. Seven out of ten words are filled with bad words. But yet, I didn't speak bad words. I was together with them for about、uh, over a year. And I totally forgot what happened. But suddenly. I was、uh, 
I was able to utter a bad word. I was shocked myself. Why did they say that? But suddenly the person beside me said, Oh, so now you're normal. So for, from his point of view, a person who speaks bad word is normal. A person who doesn't speak bad words is abnormal. Because our values are different. And Paul also said the same words to Timothy. He said, in fact, everyone who, live, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And this is something that we aren't able to avoid. As pilgrims, how do we face this world filled with suffering and difficulties? First uh, Peter chapter four verse eleven. One to eleven. One to eleven. Principle shows us two very important principles. The first six verses is looking at the suffering from a negative point of view. And from verses 7 to 11 is looking at the suffering from a positive angle. Simply put. From negative point of view, it's facing difficulties with a suffering mindset. From the positive point of view, you're facing difficulties with deep love for one another. Take a look at the first aspect. Facing difficulties with the suffering mindset. Take a look at chapter 4, verse 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Using, uh, a, a, uh, using suffering as a, a weapon in facing difficulty. The Chinese have a saying. For uh, things to succeed, there must be three elements. And that is timing, circumstance, and people. Timing meaning to say that uh, you've got help from heaven. Circumstance means to say that circumstances are favorable. People meaning to say that there are people who are going to be helping you. When you're facing difficulties, you want to overcome the difficulty. We need spiritual timing, circumstances, people. What is the meaning? Timing means to say that uh, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. God's blessing. Remember, if you rely on your own self, you aren't able to overcome difficulties. But the question is, there's a lot of difficulties and it's uh, impossible for us to overcome. But with God's help, and with regards to circumstances, you require the circumstances to be able to be favorable toward you. Because we, every day, we encounter different challenges and difficulties. Surely, this is something that is unavoidable. Because this is what the Bible says. Mortals born of women are of few days and full of trouble. So we need the circumstance. What is a spiritual circumstance? You need to have a support group. You need to have a system that helps you, supports you. Why is it that the church... Uh, encourages you to join a life group or, or a journey group. Or you cannot rely on difficulties on your own. You aren't able to overcome them. 
What about uh, people? What are spiritual people? That you yourselves, you're prepared to face the difficulty. With a uh, suffering mindset to face the difficulty. Mindset in the original text means your, your thoughts, your thinking. So to arm yourself with that attitude means to be prepared in your thoughts. So that when difficulties come, you will not think it's strange because you've already prepared for it. For you know that the difficulties will surely come. And if you have that kind of a mindset to face difficulties, it produces two very important things. Number one, that while you're suffering for the Lord, suffering in righteousness, you're able to uh, be done with sin. Look at how the Bible says. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. What does it mean to be done with sin? Does it mean that uh, you no longer are able to sin? No. No. There is no perfect person here in this world. No matter how spiritual you may be, there's bound to be a day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to fall into temptation. This is surely something that's going to happen. To be done with sin means that uh, you develop a mindset that you hate for a hatred of sin. When a person is uh, suffering for righteousness, when a person is uh, prepared in his mind to suffer for righteousness' sake, and he is suffering because of God's sake. He will start to hate sin because he knows to sin is to sin against God. And difficulty comes through sin. So he develops a hatred for sin. Let me ask you, do you hate sin? Think about this uh, carefully before you respond. Many people, they enjoy the pleasures of sin. They don't hate sin at all. Some people like to drink uh, wine, take alcohol to be their pleasure. Whenever they see alcohol, they are so happy. How can they hate it? And for some people, it's sex. They like to uh, enjoy women. Whenever they see women, they want to enjoy. They don't hate sin at all. And some people love to gamble. And when they go to the casino, they are in high spirits. They are very excited. How can they hate sin? They are very happy in their sin. So you understand something very important here. When a person treats uh, sex or gambling or alcohol as their pleasure, they will never feel that sin is something that is a difficulty or a pain. Rather, they are experiencing or they, they are enjoying the pleasures of sin. But that kind of an enjoyment is only but a very uh, short-lived. Yet the pain that, it's bring, that it brings is going to be long-lived. How many uh, marriages fail because of this? Because they just want to give in to their pleasures. Just even for a few minutes. They destroy their whole family. They, in that uh, few minutes of enjoyment, they have never thought about 
the result of the future. But after you repent of your sin, then you discover that sin is such scary. They start, that person starts to hate sin. How much more those of us who are suffering for righteousness sake that I've not done anything wrong but because of somebody else's sin I have to suffer for it. And all the more I would be hating sin. I'm sorry to say this. This might not sound good. We, we are very pitiful. You know why? You know why? For every one of us, we're like the prodigal son. When we aren't even to eat uh, even the food for the pigs, then he starts thinking of his father. My father has a lot of food in his house. Why? Because when you're eating steak, when you're eating Japanese sushi, you have never thought about your heavenly father. We are all like that. Only in the midst of our difficulties do we think of God. And that is why difficulty has of, uh, has some benefit for us so that we can start hating sin. 1949, during the communist occupation of China, and that uh, when uh, there was a great persecution on religion, 50 years later, China opened up to the world again. There's something that the whole world was shocked. Christian, Christians, believers, from uh, 500,000 believers, uh, it increased to like 80 million. And something that uh, nobody could have imagined. There was a, an old pastor who said something very meaningful. And uh, what God did was to raise up the communist uh, communism in China in order to destroy the corrupt church in China. The Chinese church uh, before 1949 was a very corrupt church. It was a very worldly church. There were a lot of uh, people who were not even born again who were leaders inside the church. And God used difficult to cleanse his church. And this is not my saying. But rather, some, an old pastor who said this and used a, a, a suffering mindset to face difficulties so that we may sever our relationship with sin. And also that we may uh, cause us, uh, it may cause us to obey the will of God. Look at verse 2. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. When we sever our relationship with sin, two results happen. First, you no longer live for evil human desires. But rather, you are living for the will of God. What does it mean, do not live for evil human desires? Look at how Peter puts it. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, Carousing, carousing, and uh, detestable idolatry. This was the life you had in the past. And this was the life that you had when you indulged in the flesh. Now let me explain this to you. 
这个邪淫是指公开、结出关无见笑的淫乱的行为。Debauchery pertains to shameless and promiscuous behavior. 恶欲是这关无无道德的情欲的生活。Lust pertains to immoral and sinful passions. 醉酒这关饮酒街头失去控制。Drunkenness pertains to drinking to the extent of losing control. 谎言这关无节制的言论，常常跟情欲产生关系的代志。And orgies pertain to unrestrained merrymaking related to lust. So, a carousing pertains to drinking parties. This carousing pertains to activities related to idols. In the original language, all of these. The Activities were in plural form. What is the meaning of this? That is, a, it's done repeatedly, again and again. So it is really a life that was enjoying the pleasures of sin. But look at verse five. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Please remember. Every single thing that we do. In the future, we're going to have to give give an account before the Lord. So you need not enjoy or admire the lives of these people. What they are enjoying right now, they're gonna be. Uh, there's going to be a very scary repayment in the future. On the other hand, we need to learn to live according to the will of God. What does it mean to obey God? Take a look at this. Obeying God is just a slogan, but to truly obey God is to submit to God ordained authorities. It's very easy for us to say we obey God. But, but only by obeying God ordained authorities. Uh, are we truly obeying God? Now, don't you say that you obey God, but you're not obeying godly ordained authorities? Jesus gave us a very good example. That is when Jesus was baptized. Only a sinner needs to be baptized. But Jesus was sinless. So he need not undergo baptism. But then he went before John the Baptist and he got baptized by him. John refused to baptize him. Oh, how can I baptize you? John was saying, I need, my, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, Jesus replied saying, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Even Jesus had to obey God ordained the system or authority. Let me ask you. As people, as human beings, aren't we supposed to uh, uh, submit to God ordained authorities? Suddenly, Peter said, For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards. In regard to the body, but live according to God. In regard to the spirit. Now, this verse is a, a verse that is very difficult to explain. Because it says here, this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. Why is it that uh, you're preaching the gospel to the dead? Explanation. There are three explanations here. First, is that the dead may have the chance to hear the gospel again. 
But this is in conflict with the teachings of the whole Bible. Because when a person is dead, that's it. There's no second chance. The second explanation. Dead pertains perhaps to spiritually dead people. Third, the explanation is that the dead cannot avoid God's judgment. And if you look at the context of the Bible, and number two and number three are possible explanations. Because there's this very important context within. There are two kinds of lives. One is uh, people who live their lives like indulging in the flesh. And the other one is uh, a person who's willing to uh, uh, suffer for righteousness' sake and live for God. And, and both types of people in the future, they will have to come before the Lord to settle accounts. So this is your choice. What type of life are you going to choose to live? A Christian? After we suffer for righteousness sake, we need to learn to choose something that we will no longer live for the flesh, but rather we live for righteousness. And this is the returning home of the prodigal son. This is explaining this from a negative point of view. What about from the positive point of view? It's facing difficulties with deep love for each other. And yes, this is a world that's filled with difficulties. But this, is, this world is not our forever home. And so this difficulty is not going to last forever. And that is why in chapter 4 verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. The end of all things is near. That is, the end is going to come. And everything is going to end. But please remember, the closer we are to the end, and that is the most dangerous times in the world. This is what uh, uh, it apostle. says, the apostle said. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And then beginning from verses 2 to 6, Paul talks about 20 kinds of dangers. This is a world full of dangers. How do we face it? And that is why we have to be alert and we have to be sober-minded. Very meaningful. To be alert means that uh, we have to be clear-minded, to be in the right state of mind. To be sober means not to be intoxicated. What is the meaning of this? This is a very materialistic world. And a world that's filled with lust. And if you're not careful, because of money, because of sex, because of power, and because of uh, the uh, evil desires, we, we, we get intoxicated. And uh, we uh, don't uh, we won't be clear-minded. In fact, it may happen even inside a church. I'm not sure whether you know this. And uh, the most uh, prevalent uh, type of theology this in, in the world today is what's, what we call the prosperity gospel. But take note of this. In the last 50 years, Eighty percent of pastors that have fallen are those who believe in prosperity gospel. 
when they had the money, when they had the power, they start uh, getting intoxicated. They start getting, uh, uh, they, they become messy. So may God help us. Let's no longer get drunk. Let's be alert. And let's face this uh, materialistic world with a uh, mindset of suffering. So that when suffering comes, the Peter says that we have to face it with uh, love for one another. You know why? You know why? Because it says that the love bears each other's burdens. Very famous in the uh, book of Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When you see this, when you're happy, when, uh, when other people are happy, you uh, rejoice with them. Then your happiness uh, will increase. When you're in sorrow, and there are people who cry together with you, then your sorrow is halved. And that is why Peter says that you must love one, one another or deeply means to persist without giving up. Now this is describing an athlete who runs fast during a race. When we face difficulties, we need to learn to uh, help one another, encourage one another, love one another. Later on, uh, there's an announcement that uh, you, will, uh, you, you will hear. Our brother, Kevin, our brother Kevin has passed away. And there was a Viber group that the church uh, made, created. And there were 178 people in there. In the past 10 months, there were a lot of people who used that Viber group to uh, encourage them, to support them. The first message was only one word. was a praying hand. And that started the Viber group. And in the past 10 months, Brothers and sisters not only uh, uh, continually prayed for him, but they continued to visit him and uh, to uh, whether it be in his home or in the hospital. And sent food over to their home. And uh, to the point that the mother said, uh, please don't send food anymore. We've got uh, more than enough food. We know that uh, the uh, sickness of our brother was uncurable. Unless God performed a miracle. But within that span of 10 months, the church uh, went through these uh, 10 months together with this uh, brother, this family. And I believe that this was a great uh, support and strength for the family. So church, you should never be a spiritual Lone Ranger. For you aren't able to do it. You will definitely need people around you to support you, to help you. Please remember. You need others and others need you as well. This is what the church is. Your left hand needs your right hand. Your right hand needs your left hand. Your eyes need your ear. The ear needs the eyes. And working together. We're working together. So may God help us. Second, because love can cover a multitude of sins. Look at verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
What is meaning that uh, it says when it says that love covers over a multitude of sins? Love isn't able to uh, resolve our sin problem. Only the blood of Jesus is able to wash away our sins. Love isn't like covering up many sins. But rather, love, love is able to bear uh, the sinner himself. Love is not uh, announcing the sins of people. So that is why love is able to redeem the sinner. Think about this. The prodigal son. When he went home, if the first person that he met wasn't his father, if it was a brother, let me ask you, will the prodigal son be able to go home? Will he be able to repent? No. Surely he will be driven out by his brother. When the prodigal son had no way out, is it possible for him to, to uh, go back to sin? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Or there's no food to eat. He'll have to steal. He'll have to steal and rob. Maybe even kill people. And as a result, he might have been uh, killed himself. But praise be to God that uh, what he met was his father. And with, and with love, the father accepted this sinner. And that is why this sinner was able to return home and was able to repent. And book of Proverbs says this, and be related. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. When we love one another, our hatred, our envy, our jealousy, it will surely diminish. And then difficulties will also diminish. Many difficulties are actually created by men. I have a very special experience. About 30 years ago, I was just learning how to drive. You know, people who are starting to drive, they uh, are excited to drive. That was 30 years ago. And all the vehicles, all the cars weren't uh, automatic. They're all manual shift. But I had my driver's license. You all know that 30 years ago it was so easy to get a driver's license in the Philippines. I went to take a test. But before the test, I only learned driving for five hours. When I took the test, I knew how to answer every question. Before actually, they gave me the uh, answer sheet, actually. Uh, I, I got the hundred. So I did the actual drive test. And I went there. The person asked me, what are you doing here? Actual driving. I said, I'm here for the actual driving test. No need, no need, no need. And he said, no need. Go home, go home. Go home. Okay, lang, okay, lang. It's okay. So it's okay. So it's okay. It was okay. I got the license. I got the license, but uh, I really didn't know how to drive very well yet. And I didn't have a car to drive also. But one time, uh, during that time, there was this Bataan refugee camp in the Philippines. It was a refugee camp established by the United Nations for the Vietnamese refugees. Every year, I would be invited to go to that place to do missions work. You know why? You know why? 
Because many of those people knew how to speak Cantonese. So every year, at least for 10 years, I would be going with this organization for about 10 years. Every year we'll be going uh, there for like uh, staying for three days, two nights, or four nights. So one time when I went there, it was, uh, I had to preach at night. So at lunchtime, uh, me and another pastor, we had to go out of the refugee camp to buy something in Bataan. He was driving this L300. So after buying some stuff, we came back. On the way back, uh, suddenly I said, let me drive. And he asked me, do you know how to drive? <laughs> yes, I've got my driver's <laughs> license. <laughs> because I saw that there was not much cars on the highway. It was a road that the UN uh, made. So I, uh, what, I drove. You know what? I drove the... I drove the L300 into a ditch. And I was so embarrassed. I'm here to be a, a preacher, a pastor, a, a preacher, a uh, speaker, but then I uh, drove the car into the ditch. And it was good that I didn't destroy the van. But the whole van, uh, the, the whole wheel, uh, the front wheels went into the ditch. And uh, like uh, we had to call like three or four other guys to help us uh, uh, bring the uh, van up. And I dare not uh, drive after <laughs> that. And let this other pastor drive. On the way, on the way. He didn't say a word, I didn't say a word. But in my heart, I was thinking something. And uh, he's going to tell on me when I uh, When uh, we got back, there, somebody asked a question. Why did it take you so long? I said, oh no, he's going to tell. Oh, it's at the, oh, it's uh, Reverend Chung. But he didn't say a word. He didn't say a thing. He was, he, he was just smiling. He says, For the whole four, four days, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a thing. Like as if it didn't happen. And then I felt this in my heart. This pastor, I will surely remember him all my life. He's also uh, Stephen Tiu. Stephen Tiu. Pastor Stephen Tiu. Oh, I'll remember him for my whole life. He covered my mistake. Of course, he could have said, okay. You can as well. Because we are all like that. We see a small mistake of some people. We're afraid that the whole world will not know. But that is not how the Bible teaches us. Love covers over a multitude of sins. But hatred can uh, dig up a lot of things. If you love a person, let me ask you, do you uncover, do you dig up all of his mistakes and sins or do you cover them? Love produces practical actions. In verses 9 to 10, talks about two practical actions. Number one, material help. You can provide material help. Look at verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Please remember, love is not a slogan, but love is an action. And the Lord gave up his own life for us, and this is how we know what love is. And God shows us with action what love is. And so Peter reminds us that we must, we, 
we must uh, uh, treat one another with love. So I could bang chan. Uh, that we must be hospitable to one another. And that Bible has something that's very interesting. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. During the time of Peter, and there were no hotels. There were a lot of preachers who went around preaching, but then they didn't have a place to stay in. And Peter said, be hospitable to them. For some people, by doing so, have actually been a plate host to angels. I had an experience when uh, my wife was pregnant, when she was about to give birth. Suddenly, I received a phone call. Somebody I didn't know. And that uh, somebody just referred him to me. And he was a missionary who came from Hong Kong. He was actually going on his way to Africa and passing by the Philippines. But he needed to uh, pass by the Philippines to, uh, uh, to uh, take care of his documents, paperwork. And uh, he asked, uh, can I stay at your home? Yes, welcome. Said, sure, welcome, because I know that he was a missionary. And when he came, and my wife had already given birth, my uh, first child uh, was already born. It was actually a uh, lady missionary. And uh, she stayed in our home. She saw that I had a uh, baby in my home, a newborn baby. You know what? You know, Pastor? Do you know how to uh, bath the baby? I said, uh, no, of course not. So babies are so fragile. I'm really scared to do that. And he, she said, uh, let me teach you how to do that. And uh, I realized this missionary was actually a... Uh, Nurse. And she was actually a uh, midwife. She was actually a professional midwife. And she taught me how to bathe my baby. So praise God. And all three of my children, I was the one who bathed them. My wife doesn't know how to. She really doesn't know how to. That, and uh, I'm always the one who would all three babies, all three kids, you know. Because I had an angel who helped me. I was hospitable to a missionary and she was the one who uh, uh, taught me how to bathe my baby. So church, when you use love to uh, be uh, to, to be hospitable to some people, it's not only a blessing to the other person, but it's also your blessing. Second, not only to help one another materially, but also to help uh, based on your gifts. Look at verses 10 to 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Use the gifts that God has given you to serve one another. What is a gift? Let me give you a very simple definition. It's something that you enjoy doing, that you love doing, and other people love to see you do as well. That is your gift. You love uh, uh, leading songs. And uh, other people also love to see you song lead. Then you have the gift of song leading. And you love uh, 
making uh, doing visitations. But when people are so scared when they hear you coming to visit, uh, then please don't uh, visit uh, anymore. Perhaps you may not have the gift of visitation. So please remember. It's something that you love doing and other people love to see you doing as well. Use your gifts to help one another. And Peter talks about two kinds of gifts here. The gift of preaching as well as the gift of service. Preach according to God's word. And according to your strength, serve according to your strength. Uh, our service, there's only one goal. So that Jesus Christ may be glorified. Church. And uh, Peter says that uh, the end of all things is near. These were his words like 2,000 years ago. What about today? Today we are actually in the midst of the last days. We're actually getting closer. And the Bible says, when the gospel has been preached to all the whole world, then Jesus Christ will come. I don't know. When will be the last person to hear of the gospel? Who will be the last person who will be accepting Jesus into their lives? After that person accepts Jesus, then the end of all things will come. Right now, what we know is that uh, we be accepted. Uh, hospitable to one another in love to face this world uh, of full of full of difficulties may God bless us although we see difficulties in front of us but there is a kind of power that is beside us and this is love that we must uh, be hospitable to one with one to one another in love let's pray let's pray our Father in heaven, we want to thank you, Father, for your word this morning, Lord, uh, once again uh, from uh, the words of uh, the Apostle Peter, Father, teaching us on how we are to face difficulties, Lord, Father, both uh, positively and both negatively or from a negative point, uh, aspect, Lord, may we learn to face the uh, difficulties according to your word, according to your truth, Lord. Father, may these words continue to uh, sink deep into our hearts, into our lives, Father. And most especially, we pray, Father, that uh, we would uh, learn con to continue to face difficulties by loving one another, uh, being hospitable to one another, and uh, serving each other in order for us to be able to glorify your name, Lord. Amen. Father, continue to uh, work in our hearts, work in our lives, Lord, so that your name will indeed be magnified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.